0: For your support, it's time for another edition of Fighting for the Faith, Wednesday, April sixth, twenty sixteen. Like shaping up to be the worst of Easter sermons I have ever reviewed. Oh man. And I thought last year was bad. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Roseborough. I am your servant in Jesus Christ, and this is the program that dishes up a daily dose of biblical discernment, the goal of which, help you to think biblically, help you to think critically, help you slow down, stop, open up your Bible, and, well, compare what people are saying in the name of God to the Word of God. Just because somebody is popular, just because somebody's a megachurch pastor, just because somebody appeared on God TV or TBN does not mean that that person's actually teaching you the truth of what Scripture teaches. Here at Fighting for the Faith, we take what the most popular pastors, preachers, teachers, conference speakers, self-proclaimed prophets, prophetesses, self-appointed apostles and apostolates, and those generally put forward by the evangelical industrial complexes, those whom we need to be listening to, whose books we need to be buying, whose you know curriculum we need to be studying instead of the Word of God, to see if what they're saying actually, actually squares with what God's Word says. Or, if when we look at the text of Scripture and apply a little bit of context, some sound biblical hermeneutics, do do we find that what they're teaching squares with Scripture, or are they teaching, well, weird doctrines, twisting God's Word, doing things that you really actually can't do with the text, and uh, generally teaching for shameful gain the things that they ought not to teach. And over and again, we find that There's a whole lot of false doctrine out there, all in the name of Christianity and evangelicalism and God and country and things like that, and it just don't square. Now, we are in the throes of our annual Worst Easter Sermon of the Year contest, and yesterday (laughs) I I did something I've never done before, and that is we... I mean, this early in the week, I mean, we reviewed Contestant 2, 3, and 4 yesterday. Two, three sermons in one setting. Now, we're not going to do that today. Wednesdays are, I have some pastoral commitments and things. And so we're only going to review one bad Easter sermon. But it's from Todd Bentley. <laughs> So I hope you're sitting down. We're gonna just get right into it. I think you understand how this week uh, week works and operates. So let's do this. Here we go. The good, the bad, and the ugly. We review it all here at Fighting for the Faith. We're an equal opportunity. Sermon reviewing service. This Easter sermon comes to us via the Secret Place Church. The Secret Place Church. Todd Bentley presiding. Um, This is support apparently in Fort Mills, South Carolina. In fact, the Secret Place Church has an address. It's 8180 Regent Parkway, which basically tells me it ain't much of a secret. <laughs> now, what we're going to hear, I mean, Oy, this is just convoluted is the best way I can put it. I, there's no name for this sermon, so... Um, You're just going to have to sit down and buckle up. I mean, we're going to start somewhere in the glory anointing thingy. Wander into the book of Job as Todd Bentley pretty much exegetes himself. I think that's the best way to describe what it is that we're going to be listening to here. So let me go ahead and back up on the music. And without any further ado, here is Todd Bentley from the Secret Place Church at eight one eight zero Regent Parkway in Fort Mill, South Carolina. Here we go. Over to you, my friend. It's such an honor to have you here with us on Easter Sunday. Amen. Let's just welcome Todd Bentley today.
1: Thank you, Lord. Wow, what a great anointing this morning, just on that, eh? A,
0: a great what?
1: Thank you, Lord, for the anointing. Thank you, Lord, for the anointing. Thank you
0: for the glory. Just go ahead and lift your hands up right now. And, so apparently they had an anointing and a glory show up there at, you know, on Easter Sunday. And just take an extra moment to soak into the atmosphere. Soak into the, the... Yeah, if you haven't already soaked into the atmosphere, take a moment and go ahead and do that.
1: Glory in the anointing that's here this morning. Because it's resurrection glory,
0: right? It's just not any old glory. This is resurrection glory, you know,
1: Resurrection glory. We thank you, father, that the power of resurrection glory is being released over all of us today. And we really do want to receive and it's working on the inside of us. It's working on the outside of us. Let it come upon us. And let us declare resurrection power
0: over every area of our life where we need... You're going to declare resurrection power. Yeah, that that should be effective.
1: The resurrection. God, we speak resurrection power over every area of our marriage and resources, over every area of our business, our visions, our dreams. Lord, I pray that there would not be one place where death is working that resurrection would not reach. That you would begin
0: to... (laughs) Not one place where death is working, where resurrection will not reach. What do you mean by death in that sentence, by the way? You sound like you're describing something less than death. He's up again from
1: the dead, everything that's been lost and stolen. And we declare that it's possible today because he is risen. And Lord, we want to know tonight that we're basking and bathing in resurrection, glory, and power. And that we're working to... <laughs> can bathe
0: in that stuff? I had no idea you could bathe in it.
1: Heather, with your spirit to, to see a mighty release of the power of the cross, uh, that you are risen today, and we command every stone to be rolled away, and we command every dead Lazarus. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we
0: command every stone to be rolled away and every dead Lazarus. Oh, man, this is uh, this is going to be tough to get through. Sorry. We commend everything wrapped in clothes of death and decay to be... <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, we are just in the beginning parts of this Easter, sermon. <laughs> everything wrapped in the clothes of death. Well, yeah, you do that. You start decreeing and declaring and all those things wrapped in the clothes of death. You know, they'll have to... Get unclothed roll the way today
1: and to fall to the ground today because we've been raised in the newness of life and we're here to celebrate resurrection. We're here to celebrate victory and triumph and healing and salvation and deliverance because we know the power of the cross today. And Lord I thank you that on this day that we declare Jesus is risen from the dead. That the very power of the cross of Calvary would be released in every area of our life where the devil is come to steal kill and destroy
0: the power of the cross released into every area of our life what exactly does that mean either i mean the bible doesn't talk this way celebrate today your
1: resurrection glory and we thank you lord that that glory is radiant within us and upon us in the mighty name of jesus amen 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 give the lord a mighty shout
0: yeah what are we giving him a shout for exactly again Jesus, Jesus.
1: Hallelujah. And, uh, you know, I want to keep my message short this morning because I really feel like being able to come together like this, uh, you know, on Easter and have communion. It's kind of a service for me right there. How many of you just love the fact that we get to partake together of his flesh and partake together of his blood? But uh, honoring the resurrection today, uh, of course, when I talk about resurrection, it's it's more than something that happened two thousand years ago. It's a very real thing for me.
0: Uh see, the resurrection is more than you know. We start talking like that. I mean, more than something that happened two thousand years ago. Well, w- well, what is it then? You know, if it's more than that, I ah, mean, uh, okay. So you know, this is something way more than that. Yeah.
1: Write down the raising the dead, and literally, spiritually, physically, but literally, and uh, may the Lord release an impartation today of his power in our lives uh, to raise the dead, and to have victory and dominion over sin, sickness.
0: An impartation to raise the dead, right, yeah
1: death, poverty, that's really what it's all about today. So I expect great miracles and healing and deliverance because we're celebrating the resurrection. It's not some past tense, traditional service come to the table and we remember the way that it was 2015 years ago. Thank you, Lord, for the resurrection. Thank you for the night that you died. It has to be a present power today. And that's why I love what Pastor Darren said best about the blood of Jesus while we're yet sinners and yet future sins. There isn't any sin that hasn't been dealt with. And we, of course, have that moment that we identify with. And just like baptism, we identify with the fact that there was a death. We also identify with the fact that there's been a resurrection. And we may identify for a moment with just awakening to the idea that we need conviction and repentance. And we confess our sin and he's faithful and just to forgive us. But all of sin has been dealt with. And uh, that's an amazing promise, isn't it? And we just thank you, Lord, uh, for your shed blood. But we thank you for the redemption. Do
0: Do guys who claim to be prophets like Todd Bentley, do they go to some kind of prophetic finishing school to learn how to talk like this?
1: In him, we have the forgiveness of sin. And redemption, and that's what he's about—redeeming so that we can recover all that's been lost and stolen. But uh, uh,
0: redeeming so that we can recover all that's been lost and stolen. Hmm, sounds like a different gospel to me.
1: I do want to share a couple of things today, and uh, in fact, I shared a scripture. In one of my messages recently in New Bern, North Carolina, I was preaching on the greater glory and preparing the church for a greater outpouring of God's glory, and I was sharing an encounter that I had many years ago back in 2007. It's one of those life-changing, transforming encounters that you have with God where I had a visitation. It was an angelic visitation, and it was from the... Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So who is, by the way, is uh, Todd Bentley preaching about right now? He ain't preaching about Jesus actually getting out of the tomb. No, he's preaching about himself. You know, oh, he had a, a, an angelic visitation. He's telling tall tales. This is an idol tale, if you would. Spirit
1: of the fear of the Lord. And uh, when the angel of the fear of the Lord came, he said, God's going to prepare you for one of the greatest outpourings of glory uh, that you've ever seen. And of course, you know, when you're talking about the resurrection, you're talking about the glory of God. He said, but in order for you to be ready for this, you need the fear of the Lord. And it's not something you can do yourself. And so I had this tremendous visitation of the fear of the Lord, and it was beautiful. And at the sign, same-
0: you had a visitation of the fear of the Lord. What does that mean? Time It was awe It
1: wasn't a, a fearful dread of judgment and the hammer's going to come down and, and oh no, the fires of hell. It, it was more the fear of the Lord, but I realized for a moment it wasn't dependent upon me to produce the fear of the Lord or the holiness I needed to produce to be able to handle the glory and the presence that was coming to my life. And so in a sense, the Lord was showing me how, how there's a spirit of grace, um, or a power that's available to the believer because of a a spirit of grace. Okay. And it's work of the cross that can enable me to have the righteousness, holiness, and sanctification that I need so that I can walk in the resurrection glory and power that I want to walk in.
0: And, right, because you got to walk in the resurrection power, and so you need a grace thingy to be able to walk in it. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought I would share that verse with you, one of these key... A verse, wow, yeah. There we go, <laughs> yeah.
1: Verses the Lord gave me during that visitation.
0: Oh, this is a verse God gave you during a visitation, got it.
1: Fear of the Lord is he gave me Job chapter 13, which when talking about the greater
0: glory or talking about... God gave that to you. Hasn't God given, like, all of the book of Job to the church? You know, why would he give, you know, a verse from Job 13 to you specifically?
1: Fear of the Lord, you know, people wouldn't think Job. But I want you to turn in your Bible, if you do have your Bible this morning, as I share this brief message um, on walking in resurrection power, I want you to turn to the book of Job, uh, chapter 13. This is one of those treasure scriptures that most people are just not familiar with. And again, you wouldn't think to go to the book of Job. And it, this was at one of the greatest crises I call it dark night of the soul. Greatest crisis uh, uh, that Job had ever been really facing at that time. And, um, you know, he prayed a unique prayer. He prayed two things, in fact. Job prayed two things. And we're reading in Job chapter 13, verse 20. Job chapter 13, verse 20. Only two things do not do to me. So this is the conversation Job is having with the Lord. I'm asking you, Lord, for two things. Don't do two things to me. Then I will not hide myself from you. Because there's a tendency when the fear of the Lord comes, when the greater glory comes, or when there's areas of guilt, condemnation, and shame or we just don't feel like we're connected in that place that we need to be connected to the Lord in prayer and intimacy.
0: What on earth is he talking about? <laughs> Job 13 has nothing to do with when the greater glory appears. What is he doing? To be
1: like Adam. Right? And when we become aware of the fact that we're not right with God, whatever our own
0: measure or standard is, we... Uh, what. <laughs> Not right with God by our own measure or standard, wouldn't that be by God's standard to
1: want to hide back or, you know, just kind of avoid being around the presence because we don't feel like we've measured up in prayer that week or measured up in, you know, our commitment to the word of God or relationship. And And we just have that tendency, even though we know we're free. It's amazing when I got saved, Romans 8, 11. Romans 8, 11 was the first scripture I learned, you know, when I got saved and it was, there is therefore now no condemnation or no guilt, pain, no sentence for those that are in Christ Jesus who don't walk or live according to the law, but the spirit and grace, the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. What's the law of sin and death? Sin, sickness, disease, death, poverty. I'm not under that law anymore when I depend...
0: Sin, sickness, disease, and poverty. Uh-huh. Yeah, notice a little bit of prosperity preaching going on here on Easter Sunday from Todd Bentley.
1: The Holy Spirit, the spirit of life, which is resurrection... The spirit of life, which is only in Christ Jesus, is the only way I can walk free from the fruit and bondage of sin and death. And so I wanted to overcome and no victory in my life, but I dealt with a lot of condemnation because of things that I did in my past.
0: and how you, you are familiar with something called absolution, right? God forgive me,
1: even as a Christian, I still, you know, felt like I was coming short. And I wanted to believe the verse, there is therefore now condemnation. I got a, the, the, the feeling or the emotion of condemnation or unworthiness uh, was still there, even though I knew the truth.
0: And, you know, my pastor would say, you know, th- no, the truth. Interesting that, you know, he, you know, Todd Bentley, who had a fair, fairly serious moral failing, um is having a difficult time understanding that he's forgiven by the way there's a lot of people in evangelicalism who haven't had major moral failings like Todd Bentley who are suffering from the same thing interesting truth will
1: set you free and i said i, I have an intellect knowledge the truth will set me free and i know there is no guilt or condemnation and i know i've been forgiven but i still feel unworthy i still feel guilty i still feel like every time i need to get into the presence of god i have to repent all the time even though in order to get in the presence of god you have to repent. what are you talking about consciously i'm trying to declare the truth and the scripture and identify with who i am and you know i, I still dealt with the feelings of guilt and shame And and sentence. And so the Lord wanted me to, you know, uh, you know, deal with that guilt and that shame in my life. And I realized the only way I could get free was relying on the power of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, the Holy Spirit resurrection power. What do you mean relying on the spirit of life? so that I could be free from the law of uh, sin and death. But the fear of the Lord, the fear that somehow I was never going to measure up, I was never adequate. And, and I, I had a fear of failing, too. I had a fear of
0: falling. Who is f- he preaching about? Himself. Yep, still preaching about himself.
1: Fear of committing the unparalleled sin. I had a fear of, you know, even I'm a Christian, as I move forward as a Christian, I better get my holiness together. I better get my righteousness together. I better get my character and my integrity together. I better get all these things together, you know, because I'm I'm forgiven, but that's that's past. What about what I do presently and as I move forward? And wrestling with this This is like
0: weird autobiography.
1: The of working out my salvation and yet my salvation being as complete as it could be completed in Christ already. Trying to, you know, accept the fact that I can't get any more blessed with the spiritual blessings that are in Christ Jesus by the finished work that was declared done 2000 years ago. It's finished and knowing who I am as a son and identity because of the finished works and wrestling with the idea of a new being a new Christian that I was the righteousness of God as a gift already declared as right as I'll ever be as righteous and holy as I'll ever be and as sanctified and set apart as I'll ever be. And then I was like, well, what about the Pentecostal holiness movement preaches holiness and and every time they preach holiness there's an altar call and the big message is repent 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 and you know coming to the altar and grinding it out on the carpet with tears and snot getting right with god all the time sometimes
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh man these are the ravings of a tormented soul Um, this is awful weak
1: And I was like, but I thought I was as saved as I'll ever be, and as righteous as I'll ever be, and as set apart as I'll ever be, and yet I believed in process, the working out of the kingdom. I still do. The kingdom is here, and yet the kingdom is coming. And I I think forever you'll be wrestling through truths that are positional truths and, and, you know, doctrinal truths that are true and then working it out and applying it in your life. I don't, I don't, I don't think we'll ever really come to an end where we'll reconcile all that. We'll either end up in the place where we have a glorious revelation of the grace of God or an extreme hyper revelation, like hyper grace. And we'll go way too far. And I don't want to be too far. I want to be in the middle, but I want to be a. Dr-
0: Will you open a biblical text and actually exegete it and tell us about Christ dying and rising for our sins and for our justification? Is that too much to ask? champion of the grace of God,
1: but not in an extreme hyper-grace way. Just using that as a word,
0: though. Yeah, you don't want to have an extreme hyper-grace thing. No, you don't want that.
1: A lot of people are using
0: to help identify,
1: hey, we're grace lovers, but we're not that far, as in the sense of there's no need to really do anything because it's all done and you can just technically live any way that you want to without prayer and without contending or without fasting or without, you know, so <clears throat> I was trying to, you know, because I love God, and if you obey me.
0: <sighs> this is like a guy who's trying to go somewhere. He doesn't have a map, doesn't have a GPS. Yeah, he's really, he's not even sure what the destination is or even how to get there. Uh-huh.
1: My commands, and I thought, well, here I am as a Christian and I love God, New Testament, but I still don't obey his commands. I still have areas where I blow it.
0: Yep, that's right, because Christians still have a sinful nature.
1: And so, rectifying that idea that I'm resurrected, and yet I have areas where I still battle with that old carnal nature that I don't want to battle with. And what's the key to getting free? I realized the more I begun to focus on how free I was already, the more I walked free. But when I was Uh sin conscious and not enough righteous conscious, I would slip back under the guilt and condemnation and shame and cycle of ongoing habitual battle with sin and bondage. And the more I would focus on and preach on the fact that I was raised already and as holy and righteous as I'll ever be, the more I was able to have grace to overcome my desires for sin. And somewhere you're there or in the middle of there all the time in the journey.
0: I'm not even sure I know exactly what you're talking about. And so
1: <clears throat> here's Job saying, Two things don't do to me. One, I need this to happen so I don't hide from you. Because that's the tendency. We all want to hide. And that's where the guilt and shame. He says, And do not let the dread of you make me afraid. Do not let the dread of you. Do not let the fear of the Lord make me afraid. Because there's an unhealthy idea of the fear of the Lord. God, judgment, hammer coming down. Uh, Lord's always looking, falling into the hands of an angry God. and You know, as if God's having a bad morning and he's angry. And at any moment, the lightning of God's going to hit you for your choices and sin. He says, if the dread of you, but I need the dread of you. He was saying, I need you to do two things. Because I need to have the fear of the Lord. I need to have the real, true fear. Fear of the Lord in my life so that I can live and 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 depart from evil. Because I'll never depart from evil without the fear of the Lord. You've got to choose the fear of the Lord. I'm choosing to rely on grace. Help me, God. Only two things don't do to me. Because I'll never have the right fear of the Lord if you don't help me. But don't.
0: Clearly, this man is uh, quite the exegete. Quite the exegete. Yeah. Um... <laughs> This is, I feel like I'm listening to the ramblings of a man who has no idea what sound biblical doctrine is or, or teaches, and as a result of it, the guy is literally tacitly admitting he's completely lost. Ah, All right, I'm going to take a break here before my brain explodes, and we'll come back and keep reviewing this sermon. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is at fightingforthefaith.com, or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Byron Christian. Follow me on Twitter. My name there at Byron Christian. Quick break. When we come back, more of today's contestant number five, uh, Todd Bentley's sermon at the secret place, which isn't much of a secret. Stay tuned. Don't want to miss it. We'll be right back. We don't need to rethink Christianity, we need to rediscover it. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. You're listening to Pirate Christian Radio. We'll be taking your false doctrine now. <laughs>
2: Bring up the artists, yo ho. Yo ho, yo ho, a virus life for me. We have short rego for the dust. It's Marty Python's Flying Circus Church.
0: of Monty Python's Flying Circus Church would like to apologize to all of our listeners. Normally, we do parody here at Monty Python's Flying Circus Church. Unfortunately, due to unforeseen circumstances and the current miserable state of the church, uh, we can no longer parody the church because the church just parodies itself. For proof of this particular concept, uh, we now present to you um, the uh, Holy Ghost Hokey Pokey. I'll
2: tell you, three weeks ago, we did a Friday Night School of the Spirit... And we saw 12
1: people healed the Word of Knowledge and 40 healed during the Holy Ghost hokey-pokey. Let's just go ahead and do that and see what the Lord does. You guys okay to do a
2: Holy Ghost hokey-pokey? Can you lead it? All right, Brian's going to lead us in the Holy Ghost hokey-pokey. You can- put your right hand in, put your right hand out. You put your right hand in, you put your right hand out. You put your right hand in, you take your right hand out. You put it in and you shake it and you shake it all about. You put your left hand in, you take your left hand out. You put your left hand in, you take your left hand out. You put your left hand in, you take your left hand out. Put put it in and you shake it and you shake it all about. You put your right foot in. Take your right foot out. You put your right foot in. You take your right foot out. You put your right foot in. You take your right foot out. Put it in. How you shake it? How you shake it all about? Oh, you put your left foot in. Put your left foot out. You put your left foot in. You put your left foot. Jump in, jump in, and shake it all out. Go!
0: Release your glory! Release your glory! Healing! Miracle! Healing! Miracle! Hi, uh, when I started doing the hokey pokey. At first with the arms, nothing, nothing real effect. But then as soon as I just started, we started doing the whole, put your left foot in, your right foot in. Both of my knees, you know,
1: one at a time, I could just feel. All of a sudden, it's like there was no pain. I said, and you said, start checking yourself, I just squat down. That's awesome. Thank you, Lord, for new knees. In yes. Jesus' name. Come on. Come on.
2: Um, I've had back problems most of my life. And a couple of about a week ago, my back had gone out, and it was somewhat better, but it was still sore. Uh, Up until today, and when we did that hokey pokey, and she came up and testified, all the pain (laughs) Let's do it. Shake it, shake it, shake it all about. You put your whole head in, you take your whole head out. You put your whole head in, take your whole head out. You put your whole head in, take your whole head out, put it in, and you shake it, and you shake it all about it and you shake it, 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 and you shake it.
0: Listening to Fighting for the Faith could cause you to think that people talking about themselves rather than Jesus on Easter Sunday are deceivers. Because they are. Just a reminder Fighting for the Faith is listener supported radio. That means we depend upon you, your generous gifts financial contributions in order to continue to bring Fighting for the Fate 2 into the world. You can partner with us by visiting our website, FightingForTheFate.com When you get there, you'll see our two friendly yellow buttons. One says donate, the other says join our crew. When you join our crew, you're signing up to automatically contribute well, an amount that you pick You get to pick your rank in our crew Lowest rank is Powder Monkey at $9.95 a month, Gunner's Mate at twenty four ninety five a month Master Gunner at forty nine ninety five a month and Quartermaster at 9 ninety-nine ninety-five a month. This is a great way to support us here at Fighting for the Faith and Pirate Christian Radio. Helps us have a good firm foundation. Of course, if you'd like to specify the amount that you would like to contribute, you can do so by clicking on the donate button or you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith. Set it to post office box 13344 Grand Forks, North Dakota. Zip code 58208 and let me thank you for your support. We truly cannot do what we are doing here without it. And a reminder, reminder, um, you know, spots are filling up for the 2016 Pirate Christian Radio Conference. Details at our website fightingforthefaith.com. At the very top, you'll see a red strip that says 2016 PCR Conference. You click on that. The conference is the second weekend of August. Here in uh, the in the greater Grand Forks area, It'll be held at Kongsvinger Lutheran Church in Oslo, Minnesota. Uh, hotel information, uh, you know, flight information, all that kind of stuff is there at the uh, the website. So uh, sign up now. There's only 150 spots total, and uh, and so just want to remind you about that. All right, let's get back to our Easter sermon from Todd Bentley over at the Secret Place. Here we go again of you make me
1: hide. Don't let the dread of you make me afraid. He's asking for the fear of the Lord. Have you ever asked for the fear of the Lord? Now that angel of visitation that came to me, which was the fear of the Lord, I never asked for that visitation.
0: Yeah, the angel of the fear of the Lord. You didn't ask for the visitation. Please tell us more. I was the kind of guy that would ask for glory, anointing and joy and
1: blessing and miracles, but I wasn't the type that would be like, hey, can your holiness come down? Can the fear of the Lord come down? Because I was afraid of the fear of the Lord. Because I was afraid, like, I never measured. And so I was like, I can't handle the fear of the Lord. But I need it. I need it. i got to choose the fear of the Lord to depart from evil. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom.
0: And so... But you said it it was a visitation of the fear of the Lord. Is the fear of the Lord a personal being? I went to the Lord one time. And I said, Lord,
1: I'm ready today to have the spirit of holiness... To have the spirit of the fear of the Lord. To be in your glory and get as close as I can to your holy presence. I want the light. I want to feel what holiness feels like. I wanted to be touched by holiness. Trust me, it would kill you at this point. And again, at that moment, I realized it it wasn't right moral living. It was, he's holy. And what would it be like to stand in the presence of, of holiness. What would holiness feel like? Would my- what would it sound like if you actually correctly handled the biblical text? Ashtangle, uh, would it be like fire and electricity? What would
0: holy presence be like if I just stood in? The- For you, it would, would feel like a burning sensation.
1: Height mm-hmm. of his holy presence, because God doesn't just do holy; God is holy. So I said, "Lord, can I have the spirit of the fear of the Lord? Why is there even a spirit of holiness?" So I said, come, Holy Spirit. And man, the fear of the Lord fell. And I'll never forget in my garage. And I was just 19. This happened in your garage. You know, and the fear of the Lord came down. And when the fear of the Lord came down, the room got smaller and smaller. I I went from praise and worship and I love you, Lord, to the room closing in on me really small.
0: And so your garage got really small, right? This is like a, you know, part of Alice in Wonderland. Got it felt like, Whoa, what is happening? You know? And, and pretty soon I got
1: to the place. Don't move. Don't move. Don't think, don't think anything you think or say is not going to measure up in this moment. And I I felt like the holiness of God was coming down on top of me. It got so intense. I ran out of my garage, ran down the hallway, hid under my bed and said, Lord, I'm done with the fear of the Lord. Take it away. Take it away. I can't handle it.
0: Um, how did you run out of the garage as the room got smaller? Did you have to like crawl through your door? It felt like
1: what would happen. I now know why people were running and trying to get the mountains and rocks to fall on them. When the face of God was revealed in the second coming, it talks about they were saying to the mountains and rocks and the hills, fall on us, fall on us. I felt God peering down from heaven going, can you handle my holiness and judgment? This is why I had to, to give it. You know, my son had
0: really. Yeah. Uh-huh. Again,
1: who is he preaching about himself? Yeah. The place. My son had to take the place. You're feeling for a moment. And I was like, man, I can't handle this. He said, I'm allowing this to happen to you. Remember when Moses said, please show me your glory, please show me your glory. It said the hand of God put Moses in the cleft of the rock so the glory could pass by, right? What did Job say here in Job 13, 20? He said, two things don't do to me. Number one, I'll not hide from you. Do not withdraw your hand from me. Do not withdraw your hand from me. Why? Because only the hand of God, only God's covering when I'm behind his shadow or his hand, am I able to stand and see the glory of God? He wants us
0: to know who he is. What are you talking about? God didn't hide you in no cleft. What are you talking about?
1: His character, all of his divine attributes. He said, you can't stand in the kind of glory that's coming, Moses. Not if my hand doesn't cover you. I have to enable you to stand in holiness.
0: It ha- yeah, you're not exegeting the book of Exodus here. Now you're just making stuff up. it should be my work or else it'll destroy you.
1: that's why Job said, I need the fear of the Lord, but I need the hand of God. Don't withdraw your hand from me.
0: (laughs) Moses did not say that. Job did not say. What are you talking about? Oh, man. I mean, Job 1320 out of context is not saying what you're saying. It's saying. If you withdraw your hand from me,
1: I'll fear you and I'll run from you and I'll hide from you. Just like Adam did. But I want to so be in the fear of the Lord. I want you to give it to me and enable me to handle it. Okay, that's the spirit of what's happening here in Job thirteen twenty. Why is that important? I had some notes somewhere, but uh, you have notes for for this rambling. Let me just go over to Romans chapter one.
0: Yeah, you do that.
1: Romans chapter one. Look at Romans chapter one verse four. Romans chapter one verse four. He was declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness. He was declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. You see how it's working together here? Resurrection power, raising the dead, and the spirit of holiness.
0: (laughs) Man. You just basically don't, if you don't know how to read, then you would fall for this. If you actually just open the text and read it, you wouldn't fall for this. This is an absolute debacle.
1: We're talking about spiritually resurrection power, raising the dead, but why not a physical? I want to see a revival of the resurrection of the dead.
0: You know, our- you, you, you want to see a revival of the resurrection of the dead. Mm-hmm. Excuse me while I go put my head through a brick wall.
1: Life's verse as we preach is a ministry. Matthew chapter 10, verse 7 and 8. What is it? As we go, we preach proclaiming the kingdom of God is at hand. And what do we do? We heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, cast out devils. But raising the dead was in there. Preach the gospel, heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead. Uh, we're still on Job 13. But Matthew ten seven and 8, you'll see it.
0: Uh, Yeah, Matthew 10, it's funny, he thinks this is somehow teaching something regarding the so-called gospel of the kingdom, but the reality is is that uh, he's not, uh, well, using good hermeneutics is the best way I can describe it, because if you were applying just three basic rules for sound biblical exegesis, which are context, context, and context, you would notice something here. Um, yeah. And so here, we'll start, we'll, we'll apply our three rules here because this is a good, as good as place of any, you know, this wreck of an Easter sermon needs some cleaning up. Matthew 10, starting at verse 1. Jesus called to him his 12 disciples, gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. The names of the 12 apostles are these. First, Simon, who's called Peter. Andrew, his brother. James, the son of Zebedee. John, his brother. Philip and Bartholomew. Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector. James, the son of Alphaeus. And Thaddeus, Simon the zealot. And Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These 12 Jesus sent out, mm-hmm. notice who Jesus is talking to. In this particular case, it's very emphatic. It's these 12 Jesus sent out, instructing them, go nowhere among the Gentiles. Notice here, Matthew 10, verse 5 says, go nowhere among the Gentiles. You're thinking, right? well, if that's still applicable, then how did the gospel get to us? You know, because I I'm not Jewish. I'm as Gentile as Gentile gets. So apparently the disciples disobeyed Jesus, right? Wrong. What's going on here is not some kind of ongoing thing for the church today. This is a specific mission that Christ sent the disciples on for this moment. Go nowhere among the Gentiles. Enter no town of the Samaritans. But go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel and proclaim as you go, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Of course it is, because the king himself is at hand. That would be Jesus. uh, Saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons you received without paying, give without pay. Acquire no gold or silver or copper for your belts, no bag for your journeys, no tunics or sandals. Sandals or a staff for the laborer deserves his food. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so um, funny here, you know, he he thinks that this is a specific thing for the church at large today, and yet he's (laughs) kind of missing some of the more important uh, specific instructions uh that Todd Bentley would say, well, no, 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 that's for then, that was for then, well, then what is, is the command to Raise the dead, a universal command for today according to the gospel of the kingdom? Answer, no. Todd Bentley is twisting this text, and that's the reason why he's saying this nonsense about looking forward to the revival of the resurrection, the raising of the dead. Yeah, We continue. We
1: the gospel, we heal the sick, we cleanse the leper, we raise the dead. So I said, Lord, what's the key to raising the dead? What's the key to walking in?
0: Yeah, so what is, what is the secret, Todd? Please tell us this direct revelation that God gave you an answer to your specific question.
1: Resurrection power, and is it even possible to have so much of the resurrection of God working in my life that raising the dead becomes the new normal? Not.
0: So raising the dead, yeah, he he thinks he's got the key to raising the dead so that it becomes the new normal. Uh-huh. Raising the dead spiritually, but physically
1: raising the dead. And so I said, here's the key, the spirit of holiness.
0: Oh, yeah, there you go. There that's the key. Okay, yeah
1: i got to have the spirit of holiness, so rely on the Holy Spirit to make me holy so that I can walk in. You, you won't be declared, your resurrection power won't be declared in your life without the spirit of holiness. But
0: Right, so yeah, so without the spirit of holiness, the, the, you don't get to have the declaration of the resurrection power thing. And that's the key, you know.
1: God's provided this uh, for you and me, and I wanted to say seven things here, and I remember Bob Jones gave this to me many years ago. Bob Jones said, uh, there's seven things about raising the dead, working with the Holy Spirit. Seven.
0: All right, so seven things about raising the dead. Uh-huh. Yeah, could we see documentation of you actually raising the dead? We'd like to actually see the death certificate and stuff like that. You know, somebody who's been dead for... At least a day or so, you know, that you've been able to raise, you know, with this, these seven things, you know,
1: and I just want to stick to this so I don't get too far off here, <clears throat> which these aren't it. So let me pull it up on my phone.
0: Oh uh, yeah. So yeah, that's awkward. He, you know, he brought the wrong sermon notes with him.
1: Preacher's got it written on his phone and I want you to write down these seven things because people ask me, what is the spirit of holiness? And I remember Bob Jones giving me the best explanation of what is the spirit of holiness so we could raise the dead. So let me just pull it up.
0: Yeah, see, if you don't have the spirit of holiness, then you're just going to not be able to raise the dead, right? Yeah.
1: And here it is. Seven things about the Holy Spirit. Here he is. He corrects, number one, seven things about the spirit of holiness. What is the spirit of holiness? One, the one that corrects the one that counsels, the one that strengthens.
0: Yeah, I I can feel my uh, ability to raise the dead just, you know, rising up from within me. I mean, wow, it's about to burble out my belly, you know. One that helps,
1: the one that intercedes, the one that is our defense attorney, and the one that is our comforter called alongside.
0: Right. Did you write down those seven things so that you can, like, start, you know, raising the dead? It to you again
1: in case you missed it. Seven things. This is what the Spirit of Holiness is. Corrects.
0: Based upon the so called prophet Bob Jones, who is no longer with us.
1: Corrects, counsels, strengthens, helps, intercedes, defense attorney, comforter, called to be alongside of you. Those are the seven things about the Holy Spirit. What you could call the spirit of holiness when you rely on the Holy Spirit as the one that counsels and and corrects and helps and intercedes and defends and comfort when you rely on the work of the Holy Spirit in and through your life that 's when the spirit of holiness is working
0: right, yeah uh-huh no you got a biblical text that explains this to us clearer than what you 're doing here because um I feel like you just gave us a verbal smokescreen.
1: It's not you get your life to a certain degree of, hey, I went seven days without sin. Hey, I got right moral living right now. Hey, it's been a month since I have any conscious fact or awareness of the fact that I blew it and didn't measure up. It has nothing to do with your holiness. It has everything to do with the spirit of holiness. Right. And when I realized I could receive it by a grace... The same way I received the anointing or the gift of the Holy Spirit, I could receive the Spirit of holiness. God was enabling me to walk in resurrection life, walk in resurrection power, the Spirit. See,
0: see as soon as you realize this, then you're going to be able to walk in resurrection life and power. Yeah, but if you, if you don't realize that, you know, it's just not going to work. I mean, you can try as you might, but you probably won't be able to walk in resurrection power.
1: If in Christ Jesus made me free from the law of sin and death. And I've received resurrection life and holiness set apart righteousness sanctification through the work of the Holy Spirit. And I always have to depend on the Holy Spirit for my holiness and my righteousness, or else I put myself back under the law and therefore I'm judged by the law. But what? I don't want to be judged by the work of the Spirit and I want to be judged by grace. It has to be. I depend on the work of the Holy Spirit in my life because he is the spirit of holiness. You can't get any more holy than Holy Spirit.
0: Right, yeah. Clearly, that's true. Uh, <laughs> I defy you to outline, certain... sir. <laughs> Maybe this is why it was held at the secret place.
1: And God gave that to you and me. mm and so I'm holy. Once I got my revelation of the fact that I'm holy, we still measure holiness by whether we do or do not have a beard, whether we do or do not have tattoos, whether we do or not wear a suit or a tie.
0: We st- how, beard, how long does my beard need to be before I can say I'm holy?
1: Measure holiness by our ideas of what we think holiness looks like. And, and, you know, and we measure our own lives and our own judgment, our own standard of measuring based on when you think you're holy or not. Because you haven't cursed this week or you haven't, you know, you prayed all week long like you were supposed to. But, man, that's just too much keeping track. That's an accounting system you can't live by, what you do or do not do. its Holiness is, is easy in the sense of, yeah, don't fornicate. Yeah, don't commit adultery. Yeah, don't get drunk. Okay, we stay away from the easy top seven big sins or whatever. And then we think, oh, we're holy. But holiness is a matter of the heart. Bob would always tell me, he goes, you know what holiness is? Total dependence on Holy Spirit.
0: And when you're talking holiness, you're talking human. What? So Bob Jones told you that holiness is total dependence on Holy Spirit, right? Uh Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Mm. Yeah. I don't recall any biblical texts that say that.
1: Humility. Humility. Because when you think you can do anything your way without God, that's pride and that's sin. If you're not being totally obedient all the time to what the Holy Spirit leads you and speaks to you, you're not in holiness.
0: So you have to be totally obedient to what the Holy Spirit is leading you in, and by that you mean direct revelation. Forget what's actually in the Bible. Right. You need the fresh revelations of the Holy Spirit. He he said holiness is a matter of the heart
1: and humility. Dependent upon, we cannot do it of ourselves. We depend on you. And, and I said, well, you know, one thing people don't connect Todd with is Todd and holiness. And part of it is because I'm such a loud, brash, bull-in-the-China-shop type personality. They would
0: say, you're probably... Yeah, it might have something to do with the fact that you slept with your babysitter during the uh, Lakeland revival. You know, something like that. Arrogant, you don't have any humility. And I'd say, tell
1: me why I'm not the most humble man on the earth. How do you judge whether you're humble? Because I would always struggle as a young preacher in my early 20s. Am I humble? Am I meek? And most people would say, you know, holiness and meek and humility and Todd Bentley in the same room don't go because everything about you, your truck, your personality, it it just doesn't scream holiness and humility. And I said, well, what does holiness and humility look like? And I would go to Bob Jones and Bob would say, but I see your heart. Bob said, we can, how God
0: judges by the heart. So Bob Jones could see your heart. Ew. Ew
1: to be in huge error because of judgments that we've made because we really don't know the heart of the matter or the motive of the matter. And Bob said, let me tell you what the spirit of holiness is. It's, a, it's the work of the spirit. And you know the Holy Spirit. And here's what the seven work of the Holy Spirit. And then he would tell me, here's what uh, humility really is. It's obedience.
0: And try- uh, humility is obedience, right? Yeah. You got biblical text for that too? in the empowering work of the holy spirit and
1: you know so i got this whole new idea of holiness and humility which enabled me to be who i was in personality without cutting away personality parts of todd bentley because we were trying to make some holy humble
0: right i have no idea what any of that just meant i said i'm like david i'm a man
1: after god's own heart
0: i don't know but i'm sure you did i mean that's a very humble thing for you to say
1: else but i'll be like david I'm, I'm a man a worship warrior and i'll never say no
0: and I'll again who's he preaching about it ain't jesus that's for sure love jesus hard all my life i'm a
1: passionate hungry person for the glory of god
0: yeah you ain't glorifying christ at all by not preaching him and by preaching yourself
1: 17 years of preaching and going after revival and i'm all about presence and i'm all about secret place and god uses all that
0: passion uh-huh
1: so i want to see a resurrection of the dead and the lord said the key is the spirit of holiness
0: yeah the, the lord said that to you really yeah don't think so
1: and i just thought i could never get holy enough ha- have enough integrity have enough character i could just and the lord said but it's done
0: uh, yeah, I think Jesus might have said something about that while on the cross. If you rely on the
1: Holy Spirit of holiness, pray a prayer like Job prayed. Lord, two things don't do to me. One, I don't want to hide from you. I don't want the dread of you to make me afraid. Don't take your hand from me. Enable me to stand in your holy presence. And he said, I have by my blood. It can't get any more done than my blood.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: Yes, I've forgiven your future sin because we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. Your sin was already forgiven before you were born to commit it. So who are you to not accept your worthiness and your rights in it? Because I knew that all of mankind would come.
0: Yeah, by yelling, this apparently makes it more true.
1: And would never measure up to the holiness I need you to have.
0: Yeah, so was God yelling it to you when he said it? Did God actually yell it just the way you did right there when he said that to you?
1: Even after being a Christian, God, he goes, especially after being a Christian. Redemption and the forgiveness of sin was not just your moment of, this is when I repented and met Jesus. It's ongoing. You started out in grace. Don't get back under law. If what's moving you and motivating you isn't hunger and love, you will fail anyways. If you're. Cr- yeah,
0: uh, love is the summary of the law. You just said not to be under the law. Confusing for sure. Christianity is just duty,
1: it's got to come out of passion and love. Because you want to, not have to, and you get
0: to. Oh, yeah, that just cleared it right up. I mean, clear as mud, you know.
1: If you love me, you'll obey my commands. The real issue is, do I love him enough? Do I know that he loves me enough?
0: Because what's done out of And irony here, he's putting him back under the law. Because, you know, he, he knows grace has something to do with it, but he just has no clue how to connect it to anything he's actually doing
1: love and romance and passion is because I have to, but I get to and I want to. If you love me, obey my commands. I don't want a Christianity of duty. The Pharisees and Sadducees give me that. I spent more time on focusing on my holiness and righteousness than I did my condemnation, shame and sin. And I get more, I hide from the Lord without even knowing it. Pretty soon I withdraw from the presence of the Lord because I start thinking about all the ways I blew it. And there's plenty of devils and plenty of Christians to remind you of every way that you blew it. And I was like, we we talking about what happened seven years, eight years ago? You've know, you got to be able to move forward. So I want to end it with this. Turn over to uh, Acts chapter 4.
0: We're just talk- all right, so we're going to end it with Acts 4. I don't even think exegetically we've gotten started yet. But, oh, you're at the end. Okay. this Thank God. About the resurrection. You can't
1: talk about the resurrection without holiness, without the fear of the Lord. But it's a holiness of the grace of God, not a holiness of our own strength.
0: What's mind-boggling to me is that people actually pay him to come out and preach at their churches. Yeah. Um, Basically, people are paying for nonsensical statements and doctrines that make no sense, and for him to just talk about himself.
1: This is why we need the power of resurrection. Okay. I love this. Acts chapter 4.
0: Yeah, you said that.
1: We're going to read in verse 2.
0: Okay, Acts four verse two. Greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Mm-hmm, okay. Yeah. Um let's take a look at our context before he gets anywhere. Um the 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 context here is going to rega- require us to go into Acts chapter three. Okay. Um Acts chapter three. Let's I mean Let's try to rescue this here. Um, In Acts chapter 3, we have the story. We'll start at verse 1. Now, Peter and John, they were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man, lame from birth, was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the Beautiful Gate. By the way, this is 3 in the afternoon. uh, To ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. Peter directed his gaze at him. ran together to them, to the portico called Solomon's. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people, Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety um, that uh, we have made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers glorified his servant, Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. And now, brothers, I know you acted in ignorance, as did your rulers... But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets, that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, turn back so that your sins may be blotted out. The times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you. Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago, Moses said, The Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. It shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. And all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those who came after him also proclaim these days. You are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant of Uh, uh, the covenant that God made to your fathers saying to Abraham and in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God having raised up his servant sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness chapter four. And as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them. So, all right. So, Guy's been healed, able to walk, and now Peter is preaching, preaching in Christ, the forgiveness of sins, preaching repentance, preaching that Christ has been raised from the dead, and preaching that they are witnesses to the resurrection. And so as they were speaking, the people to the people, the priest and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them. They were greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead and they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed and the number of men came to about 5,000. All right. So now you got the context of what's going on there. Let's see what Todd Bentley does with this verse. Actually.
1: Shift verse two. Being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. So we know what the apostles preached, but you don't have to wait to Easter to preach. They preached in Jesus resurrection from the dead. And you know they weren't just
0: preaching about how Christ died and rose from the dead. You know they were preaching. I just read to you Peter's entire sermon there. Yeah, it's in Acts 3. Weird. Okay.
1: How to walk in demonstration, evidence, how to walk in resurrection power. How do we know that? Because as we move forward to Acts 4, verse 33, it says, And with great power they gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And
0: Yeah, the, they gave witness to the what? The resurrection of Jesus. His bodily resurrection from the grave. Weird, you went to Acts chapter 4, verse 2, and then you just skipped verses 3 through 32, and then jumped right to verse 33. Hmm. Yeah, that's a Bible-twisting technique grace great
1: favor was upon them all people saw the favor of god upon the church and they highly esteemed the church something we lost in the church today yeah because we don't have a witness with great power not just power great power
0: not just any yeah, see we, we don't have we don't have the esteem of unbelievers because we don't have a witness with great power right Weird, that's not what this text is saying at all.
1: Ordinary power, but literally the power that they had was power called dunamis. Dunamis power to be a witness.
0: Yeah, are you going to say that dunamis means dynamite? Because that's not actually what dunamis means. Dunamis, dynamo, dynamite, authority. and Yeah, that's just about as predictable as they get ability
1: to work miraculous signs and to work miraculous wonders and of course you got acts 433 up there it's Acts yeah acts 433 so what we got up there shabba baba and with great power the upon-
0: <laughs> shabba baba yeah right yeah
1: gave witness now that word witness right there means evidence I want, I want you to hear this one part. How do we preach in Jesus? And I love Acts 4 verse 2. I don't know what your Bible says, but my Bible says they preached in Jesus.
0: Yeah, in Jesus, the resurrection from the dead. That would imply that if you die, that if you are in Christ, that you will be raised again. Resurrected, yeah.
1: They didn't just preach about, they were in Christ. They were in the glory when they preached. They were in
0: the presence. They were in the glory. The glory wasn't mentioned in Acts 3. Where did you get the glory stuff from?
1: Preached the resurrection. It wasn't just, they were in Jesus. They preached the resurrection because they were doing it with great power. And the apostles gave witness, dunamis power witness to the
0: dynamo dynamite. Yeah, right
1: of the Lord Jesus and great grace, great favor was upon them all. Do you know what the great favor looked like in the next verse? Nor was there anyone among them that lacked.
0: No lack. The whole church had a revival. Yeah, no poverty there. Everyone was rich.
1: Resources and prosperity. Not one person had any lack because that's what the grace and power of God looks like.
0: Yeah, that would be because people were selling their property and giving to each other, you know, to supply their earthly needs. It was not because God gave them prosperity. Have you even read the Book of Acts? You could say
1: great power brings great grace. Great grace brings great provision.
0: Oh, and man, I, yeah, I the, the, you could see why this is a contestant for this year's worst Easter sermon contest. Great power. Let me end it with this. Please end it soon, because otherwise I feel like I'm at the end. Word here gave witness
1: means. Yeah. They gave evidence Mm -hmm. of something that they themselves had seen and experienced, like being called upon in a court of law to give testimony or to give witness. And, you know, the amazing thing about what happened in Acts chapter 3, how many remember Acts chapter 3, the healing at the gate called beautiful, the cripple from birth?
0: Yeah, I just read all of Acts 3 because that's the context for Acts 4 verse 2.
1: The healing at the gate called beautiful, the cripple from birth gets a miracle in Solomon's porch. 5,000 are added to the Lord, but you know, they were arrested. Peter and John were arrested for teaching and preaching the resurrection, demonstrating the resurrection by healing a cripple from birth and they were put on court and there was a trial. And the trial was, what should we do about the fact that we cannot deny a notable, say notable, notable, remarkable miracle has been done. We're not just talking about a healing, arthritis in the knees.
0: We cannot deny. We're not just talking about some ordinary healing like arthritis, right?
1: The religious leaders and Pharisees and elders of the day, we got to be honest about this. We cannot try to convince the people a miracle didn't happen. You know, it's amazing in the church today we don't have that level of notable miracles that the world and medicine and science, and they're saying, hey, listen, we can't deny this thing. We're foolish if we're even going to try.
0: Yeah, so which kind of begs the question, God being God, God can do what God wants to do. If this were what God wanted to be a normal part of you know, what's happening in churches, then why is God withholding? Because it's not dependent upon us. I mean, Peter, when he preached in Acts 3 made it very clear, wasn't uh, this miracle was not a result of his piety. So, um, hmm, something to consider there, there. Today, they just discredit
1: the idea that miracles are even happening. The argument today is just so different. The, the miracle was so stunning. They said 5,000 people saw it. We can't even deny the fact. We're not here debating whether miraculous power happened or not. We're here debating how do we cover it up. Because if we don't cover it up, our true, pure religion, as we call it, the law, the Pharisees, the we're going to be in trouble because this guy was crippled, and we all know it, and he was actually healed. Even the heathen and the religious people of the day were saying, no, 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 this was a real miracle, notable, remarkable miracle.
0: Yeah, that's because it was.
1: Today we just debate whether gifts and anointings and, and apostles, whether it's even all possible.
0: Yeah, I recall that during the uh, Lakeland Revival, you were asked by a large um, yeah, network uh, news crew to actually provide the documentation uh, regarding the miracles that you claimed were taking place at the Lakeland Revival. At the time, you said you would get those that documentation to the media, and, uh, hmm, you failed to give that to them, hmm. Yeah. I mean, I mean, if you want the world to say, Yep, that was a real miracle. Why don't you provide the undeniable proof? We live in the day now where people have cell phones and on those cell phones are cameras and they're video cameras too, not just still cameras. You know, hey, let's get some legitimate verifiable, you know, miracles, right? And uh, and we got to get some doctors verifying that this was the case. You know, bring somebody who's been dead. You know, for you know, show us the death certificate, film it with your your camera, and then you know, by your resurrection power, which you claim you have as a result of you understanding seven things regarding the spirit of holiness. You know, just start getting to it. You know, and so that everybody can see undeniably that that was a miracle. You know,
1: try to write it off as some scientific. They were like, we, we're not even going to attempt to try to say this thing didn't, this didn't cover up. We just got to find a way so it doesn't spread. So let's threaten them, put them in prison, put them on trial, and then beat them and forbid them to speak or preach the resurrection or speak and preach Jesus anymore. And so what happens? Peter goes back in Acts 4. It's a glorious story. And he goes back to the church and says, you know what happened? Revival, harvest, 5,000, the cripple at the gate. We got on trial. We got arrested. They forbid us to continue to preach and teach and demonstrate the kingdom of God. So you know what we're going to do? We're going to pray. And we're going to pray for more of that stuff that got us in trouble in the first place. That got us the persecution, the arresting, the threatening. We're going to get together. And rather than stop because the security guy at the mall said stop. Or my neighbors spit on me and what little persecution we have in America. Why don't we go back to the glory and get more power so we can get more threats and more persecution and more prison because we need more. And how many of you know that's true? Because if you read Acts chapter 4 verse 29, it says, behold their threats, God. And then how did they pray? stretch forth your hand to heal that signs and wonders may be done through the holy name of your servant jesus you know you need to give us more of that miracle stuff stretch out your hand to heal Mm
0: -hmm. okay uh all right let's see what they prayed here uh let's see here so uh All right, so they prayed for boldness and for God to continue with the miracles. This is true. And the punchline is they continue to speak the word of God with boldness. The miracles supported the message. We continue.
1: And what happened? The place where they prayed, when they had prayed, was shaken. And they were all filled with the Spirit. They were speaking the word of God with power and boldness. And they went out and they went from power to Acts 4.33. And with great power, they gave evidence to the fact that Jesus was risen from the dead. You're not giving witness to the resurrection by sharing the Easter story and giving out a track. Going to your neighbor's door.
0: So if you're telling people about, you know, the the bodily resurrection of Jesus, you're not actually giving witness to the resurrection. What were you thinking? Want to know how to
1: apostolically give witness to the resurrection? Then you need to get the cripple at the gate called Beautiful Healed and say, "How do we know that Jesus is risen from the dead?"
0: Oh. So you're not giving witness unless you're healing cripples, right? Yeah. yeah. If you're just telling people that Jesus rose from the grave, that ain't going to cut it.
1: Bring out the man that was healed. Let me bring out the evidence.
0: Yeah, which you have went always pressed to give evidence of the miracles that you're claiming took place don't seem to be able to produce. That's weird.
1: ...witness to the resurrection today is not sharing your testimony. It's not even just preaching an Easter resurrection message. To give witness to the resurrection is evidence and proof that he's risen from the dead. The only proof that you have is the cripple at the gate called beautiful.
0: Um... Really, yeah, that's weird because the disciples kept pointing out the fact that they were eyewitnesses to the bodily resurrection of Jesus. It, you know, it was there in Acts four, and it's in other places as well in the Book of Acts. Weird.
1: People ask me, "How do you preach and and you know do the gospel? How do you do resurrection?" I go demonstrate. <laughs>
0: How do you do the gospel? The gospel is the message that Christ died for our sins and rose again on the third day. Read 1 Corinthians 15, the opening verses, like verses 1 through 8 should suffice there. Um, Yeah, you don't do the gospel. You preach and proclaim the gospel. How do you do resurrection? Scripture hasn't told us to do resurrection. What are you talking about?
1: And when they realized there were threats for that, they said, give us some more of that. Stretch forth your hand to heal. Don't stop. We're not going to let up. We just better get more empowerment. Because our tendency is to get under fear and not have enough courage and worry about the resistance and the price. And really what they realized was, no, the power started this whole thing in Acts 2 Pentecost. We better get Acts 4, stretch forth your hand to heal. We want to give witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and we're not giving witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus if you're not healing the cripple at the gate called Beautiful.
0: Right, so head on over to that gate called Beautiful, even though it doesn't exist anymore, and find a cripple and, you know, quick, heal them so that you can give witness to the resurrection.
1: The resurrection is not the message you preach on Easter, but the demonstration and evidence you bring of the kingdom of God.
0: Yeah, and weird. So apparently, evidence of the resurrection has nothing to do with preaching Jesus raised again from the grave. No, you got to go and heal the cripple at the gate. Beautiful
1: world can see. Hey, a notable, remarkable miracle's been done. If you're on trial for this thing, your testimony. What evidence do you have?
0: I got it. The empty tomb, the eyewitness testimony that Christ rose again from the grave, bodily. Since Jesus has been risen from
1: the dead. Oh, really? What makes Christianity different than any other religion? Well, let me just tell you theologically. Doesn't
0: work today. What? Show me. Oh, yeah. So you can't just tell people Jesus is risen from the grave. That won't work. No, you're going to have to demonstrate it, you know, by healing the cripple. I'll
1: show you. That's why it was so dangerous. How do we shut down this notable miracle? We can't cover it up. We can't deny that it wasn't real. We just can't let it spread. So somehow we have to put fear on the church and threaten them so they'll stop demonstrating.
0: Right, yeah. Put fear on the church so they'll stop demonstrating. Yeah, that's what shut us all down, really, yeah. Wow, that's some weird conspiracy theory, don't you think?
1: Lord wants to release real resurrection in our lives today. And I want to pray for you to be a witness with power, signs, and wonders. The way that it was for Peter is good enough for me.
0: Uh, Okay, yeah. He comes
1: running back. They put us in prison, forbid us to preach and teach the resurrection. They even beat us at one point with, with stripes. But stretch forth your hand. And they got a second baptism of the Holy Ghost. And they went forth with the word of God in boldness. That's how we need to come together today. Behold terrorism in the world. Behold the threats of compromising. Wishy-washy Christianity in America. And everything that's come to oppose us demonstrating the kingdom. And we bow down to some fear that my neighbor could say no. Or spit on me or close the door of my face. And our witness today. Is not giving witness to. There's no apostolic power in our witness. There's no evidence in our witness. And we-
0: yeah. So you better get some apostolic power into your witness. Because I mean, if you think to just telling people Jesus actually, you know, got out of the grave. That that's just not going to cut it
1: get back to real
0: resurrection which is not yeah let's get back to that right yeah as if some there's some formula i'm supposed to apply some thing i'm supposed to do some piety i'm supposed to achieve in order to get back to you know the ability to supposedly apostolically demonstrate re- resurrection right boy I, talk about you know con- confusion of law and gospel now if you're not demonstrating with power i mean you're falling short of the glory of God. You're apparently sinning.
1: Remembering, Oh, thank you, Lord. 2000 years ago, you died and rose again. And I was buried with you to identify. I was raised with you. But what does that look like?
0: Yeah. Please do tell, you know,
1: ending my message with this last thought, just maybe we should finish this last scripture and we're going to pray. Let me just read over you the scripture. I wanted to open with. In Romans chapter 6.
0: Alright, so, Romans 6.
1: The traditional resurrection message, but maybe we can see something.
0: This is a baptismal text, by the way.
1: Romans chapter 6, reading verse 1 through 4. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound?
0: May it never be.
1: Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live in it any longer?
0: Right, and when did we die?
1: Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ's death were baptized into his death? How many of you know the identification of that moment you decided to be baptized in water? Why is it you can accept you were... Two thousand years ago, and I went into the water, and I, when I went under the water, my sins of my old man, and you were rose, and hallelujah, thank you, Lord, I can identify with your death. I was baptized into your death. Why can we so easily accept that, but not accept the rest of what the scripture says in verse four?
0: We were uh, yeah, we were baptized into christ 's death and into christ 's resurrection. Uh, in fact, you can think of your baptismal certificate as a death certificate. We're just waiting for your body to catch up to the to the other death.
1: Read with him through baptism into his death, uh, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, mm-hmm. even so we should walk in newness of life.
0: Yeah, because we have been regenerated. We have been raised with Christ. This is true. Notice it's all hooked to your baptism.
1: If we have been united together in the likeness of his death, we are also now in the likeness of his resurrection. What does the likeness of his resurrection look like? Is it just truth, integrity, and character, the fruit of the Spirit? Holiness?
0: Or is the. Yeah, it means on the last day we'll actually be bodily raised from the grave
1: likeness of his resurrection as Peter and the early church demonstrated
0: giving witness to his resurrection yeah wrong referent there again the, we will actually be bodily raised from the grave on the last day when Jesus calls us out yeah that's what that's referring to stretch forth your hand that signs and wonders
1: to me it's not the likeness of his
0: resurrection yeah again uh, to you you that's the important words to you it's not the likeness of the resurrection without signs and wonders You don't know what you're talking about. You know, if you want a good cross reference to this, read like all of chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians if there's no signs and wonders. People go, why are you so about signs and wonders?
1: I go, because if you're raised in the likeness of his resurrection, what does the likeness of his resurrection look like? Giving witness with great power to the resurrection by evidence. Stretch forth your hand to heal that signs and wonders may be done. If Peter in the early church didn't preach the gospel without signs, why should we
0: not have signs? Uh, Again, Peter made it clear it wasn't by... His piety those signs occurred so i mean you're browbeating these people but they can't make the signs occur i mean if god wants to make the signs happen all god has to do is make them happen you know what i'm saying or at least go after
1: it make room for it and pray for the sick and why just talk about raising the dead and not believe for a little revival of raising the dead? Not just spiritually, but heal the sick, cleanse the liver, raise the dead. Let's raise people from the
0: dead. Yeah, you first go ahead, get to it, and uh, you need to be able to document it. That's why we celebrate resurrection.
1: But you know what I got out of this one passage? That if I was buried with him in death, united together with him in death, then I'm as raised from the dead now
0: uh yeah you are raised again this is a baptismal text
1: i don't just wait for the future rapture and resurrection that's coming second coming i'm saying you're raised from the dead now you're as risen with christ now as much as you're ever going to be risen with christ so act like it
0: yeah so would you start acting risen please you know i'm sick and tired of you acting like you're not risen you know just really obnoxious
1: To me, resurrection looks like victory, triumph, miracles, and
0: throwing off all... Important words there were, to me. Death.
1: And to deny otherwise is to deny that you were buried with him.
0: No, to deny otherwise is to deny that you actually are rightly handling this biblical text, which, by the way, you are not.
1: To continue in sin is to deny the resurrection. To continue in sin is to deny the grace of God and the spirit of holiness.
0: I thought you weren't about all, returning back to the law. Wow, there you go. So if you're sinning, you're not. You're denying the resurrection. Wow. He just is completely undone what he was talking about earlier.
1: want to know what real resurrection looks like? It looks like you being in grace and not sinning. Okay. It looks like you being in the spirit of holiness. It looks like you walking in victory and triumph. It looks like bondage being overcome in your life. It looks like signs and wonders and raising up cripples with notable miracles. <laughs>
0: Yeah, if you ain't doing that, you know, you're denying the resurrection. Yeah, that's, that's just how that goes, you know.
1: To the resurrection, you better have some evidence. Because when they bring you into the court and they put you on trial for your faith, you better have more than a testimony and a witness and a track. You're going to have to have power. And yes, it's a new nature, more than anything. The greatest miracle is when somebody in your home and family looks at your nature and says, man, I don't know who you are. Could have every head bowed and have every eye closed for a moment. Every head bowed, every eye closed for one moment. There's power for people today. And you know, the Bible says that when we're in Christ, old things pass away and all things become new. You must be born again to see the kingdom of God. And you get a new nature with a new desire. Victory happens in your life. And if you're here this morning on this special Easter resurrection, as we honor and remember the death.
0: Hugh sappy music. That's an emotional manipulation technique designed to create the false impression that God the Holy Spirit is now arriving in order to do business with people as they make decisions for Jesus.
1: Cross and the resurrection. I want to give an invitation to pray with people. We're all going to stand before that one day. It's appointed on demand. once to die and then the judgment. And life is short, but eternity is eternal. And eternity isn't something we wait for. And one day I'm going to be in the clouds in heaven. It's the kingdom of God in you. It happens in your heart. And I'm going to give an invitation right now. If you've never prayed and asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, if you've never been born again,
0: yeah, you haven't actually proclaimed repentance and the forgiveness of sins. Um, It's like you're like way getting ahead of yourself here, you know. Calling on people to make decisions for what are they making a decision for exactly uh, anyway? Based on what we just heard, you know, that are they they making the decision to you know make room for the miraculous?
1: We lost and backslidden you want to get right with God, I want to pray with you personally. And if you're here today, before we do anything else, can I give an invitation to you? Would you like to give your life to Jesus? If that's you, I want you to put up one hand right now.
0: Yeah, but see, the good news is that Christ gave his life for us. Yeah, What are you talking about?
1: Anybody in this room, you want me to pray with you to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? You want to change? You want true power? You want a new nature and you've never made that commitment? You're a prodigal son or daughter. You know you're lost. You want to get right with God. Just...
0: Could you imagine being a pagan there at um, the secret place on Easter Sunday? I mean, you're going to think, this guy is a complete Looney Tunes, you know, like lost touch with reality kind of person. Why on earth would I want to have anything to do with Jesus? Yeah, you kind of get the point. I think we've... Uh, done this sermon enough and so there you go contestant number five today yeah voting will open up at the end of the week but you know i get the feel that this is going to be a tough year for picking who's going to get the um notorious uh t- title of you know the one who preached the worst easter sermon of 2016 todd bentley clearly uh wanted to be in the running he's going to be a contender. And he is a contender this year. So, what did you think? I'd love to get your feedback if you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith. You can do so. My email address is talkback at com. or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash fire Christian. Follow me on Twitter. My name there at fire Christian. Till tomorrow, may God richly bless you. Grace and mercy won by Jesus Christ. His vicarious death on the cross for all of your sins. Amen.